All right. Now we're really ready to pray. Okay. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you. Uh, what a blessing to have a couple of young people with good things to say. They didn't borrow something from a devotional um, because they don't have any substantive connection with you, Lord. They, they're drawing on the well of their own experience of you, and that's amazing. Thank you that you've touched so many of us, and uh, fill me with your Holy Spirit. We pray that you'd meet with each one of us here in this room. Uh, we also have some friends on Zoom, and we pray you touch their hearts as well, and they feel like they're a part of this. Uh, we welcome your presence. This isn't a show. Keep us from getting distracted. Keep us from obsessing over silly things, um, evaluating you or your people by ridiculous things. Lord, just give us real discernment. Let us hear your voice. Let us just make us hungry, hungry for you, hungry for change, hungry for your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, surprise, surprise. It's in the title of my sermon here. The good, the bad, and the hungry. Just trying to be clever. You have the good, have the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'll explain what I mean as I go through this. Um, man, so many distractions. When uh, I guess when Lindsay was talking about resting in God's love, do you know what? Does everybody in here get that? If you don't, it's not just talk. It's it, resting in His love is. It gets you through anything. So you really need to learn how to do that. And, and you have to be born again. It's not just some vague thing that's offered to all of humanity. It's like he gave us a contract, an agreement that enter into this relationship. And I'll really reveal who I am. And I'll give you this reality that you can always run to no matter how crazy life gets. And if you've not experienced that, I just wanted to put in a little plug for Make sure before you leave this place, you know you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And then for some of you who maybe are born again and you've got a little, gotten a little fuzzy, a little foggy. Remember remember what it felt like to rest in his love? Remember that? Yeah, well, come to your senses and run back home before you leave here today. And kind of just get it all straightened out and say, Lord, I'm back. I want to be going on all cylinders with you. All right. So let's jump into this, the good, the bad, and the hungry. So we've been uh, praying as a church because, all right, I might as well put an ad in for these as well. These are the Neil Anderson Freedom in Christ things that are so wonderful. If you're a new believer or your believer is just kind of figuring out your position in Christ, Matt uh, got those for the church. So if you want one, bookmark. They're just affirmations, so that's over there. Okay, back to my sermon now. Okay, um, we've been praying through as a church because uh, it seems like things have been out of focus, kind of uh, hard to describe. Um, is the church bad, a bad place? Are we fighting? Is there Are there factions? Are, are, is there someone, is there a hostile corporate takeover happening and they're going to run me out on a rail? And no, it's really good. The church is good. I'm like, I almost like tear up when I want to say it because I'm like, 
still not satisfied. I'm not sat. I'm really, really dissatisfied right now. And I'm going to explain why. And maybe I should just talk about what's good about the church. All right. PowerPoint. Work with me. Oh, that was that's a Jason's prayer because it's really funny. I was like, Lord, am I on target here? Because I'm not even going to tell anybody what I'm what I'm going to be talking about this morning. And Jason, the other pastor in this church, we were just praying over things. Is Lord, this is the burden of my heart. I think this is the issue going on with the church. And I said, Oh, that's my sermon, and I didn't tell him, so that's probably a good indication that I'm on point. So that was a little here. I, I could show you that one too. See, Jason's prayer. Things I've been thinking about. Okay. Um. Okay. Good things. Uh, strong leadership. The Bible gives you characteristics for people who are supposed to be leading in the church. Um, I remember working with a fellow pastor on my roof at my last church, literally angry, but with tears saying, where am I supposed to find men like that? Men who meet those qualifications. I was like, dude, you got to find them. And they have to be leading your church. And he's almost like incensed. They don't exist. Like, we got them, man. And, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to judge anybody or make anybody feel bad because there's grace and we all make stupid decisions and whatever. But one of the things you can't find now, almost in any church, uh, God's ideal for the human race was that we get married well and we stay married. Amen. One of the problems, I mean, and I, I, I even believe that somebody that blows it and, ha, you know, is, ha, ha, gets a divorce, whatever, they can still be redeemed. And I think they can still lead a church because in the Greek, the word is one woman, man. So, I mean, OK, you clean up the mess, you get on track. But it's really hard to get a whole church full of first marriage guys. We got all first marriage guys, which is crazy. But they also seek the Lord. They're all in the word. They're in prayer. They love their wives. They lead their families well. I mean, they're got, we get along great. We have good. Oh, so I don't want to do a sermon on that. I'm like, God, we got good leadership. Uh, and I, I, yeah. So when I get to the bad stuff, I just want to set you up. I, we got some disciples in here that are scary, man. One of the things I like about the churches, we got young guys that keep me on my toes and and keep my pace where it needs to be. And some of them I just can't, I flat can't keep up with. I mean, they're, we've got amazing disciples. I was just going through my list. I'm usually, I'm usually, I try to keep it to around 10 and sometimes I get up over 15, but usually somewhere between 10 and 20 guys I'm, I'm discipling. I'm going over the guys I'm discipling. They're just amazing. Just amazing guys. And and I'm hard on them. And, you know, because that's what you're supposed to do kind of as, as a coach. But I'm just, um, I think most pastors would not get a single one in a lifetime of these guys. Because I know a lot of pastors. I'm blessed we have serious disciples men and women in this church i'll just i just gotta make tracks prayer night one of the big problems in america and one of the reasons there's not much going on because churches don't pray because we've lost 
theology of prayer, even understanding of what it is, and people just flat don't pray anymore. And um, a lot of churches used to be very common to have a Wednesday prayer meeting where they actually prayed. You know, it wasn't just like kids game night and the adults Bible study or whatever, potluck. It was really praying. We That's just a, a very uncommon thing now. Our prayer night is really one of the strongest things we've got going right now. So there are some things that we need to work on, but um, it's it's God moves. People are deeply committed to it. So that's another really great thing that I feel really good about. Sunday mornings are going really well. We don't even try. I mean, this is kind of an afterthought. Sunday mornings, and it's just like we're not even, we don't put really much effort or energy into Sunday mornings at all. I mean, did you notice our amazing bang up worship team? We don't have one. We just pipe in the music, right? Um, but it's it's just really sweet time, good fellowship, good worship, good, good, uh, you know, stirring. Yeah. And, then, and then a few months ago, you know, we really, God really moved us to start praying afterwards. And we, man, we stayed after two to three hours that day. But after, usually after service now, we stay after and pray, minister to people. People's lives are changed. Good things are happening. So Sunday morning's going well. These are all good things. Uh, outreach. People come to Christ. Uh, <laughs> and it's pretty cool because uh, Kaylee's not a, a relatively new believer. Um, and she went home to visit her family and she kind of gave me the report of the privilege she had this week of leading her own father to Christ and just being in tears with her father and and then, uh, I mean, people in our church do evangelism. And Ty and I, uh, Ty kind of, I say young guys push me. He, Because of Ty, I'm for sure going to be sharing the gospel with people every single week. Uh, because Ty heads up this get out on campus and just share the gospel. Two people came to Christ. We'd stop people. We had long conversations with them. But, we, but uh, Ty was able to lead a guy to Christ. I was able to lead a guy to Christ. People are coming to Christ. And then I heard from... Um, uh, Alan and Michaela over in Uganda. They have an equipping class. And uh, on a couple different weeks, Alan's been able to lead. This last week, he led two young people. And it's a serious training. But and I don't even know what else is going on in the church. I mean, people come to Christ here. So that's cool. And we have really cool compassion projects going on. You know, we're trying to get this family from the Congo here. And good stuff. Most people will be like, what are you complaining about, man? It was like, I, I would... Give a vital body part to have a church that's that cool and smooth and 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 we all get along and we have fun and people are sacrificial and generous and all that stuff. So it's like, well, why don't you just pray and let everybody go home and we'll see you next week? Because that's not what we were called to be. That's not why we exist. Is to be a Sunday church with a good prayer meeting where people get saved and uh, we have some cool compassionate. Uh, outreaches that that was never what we were supposed to be that's kind of spillover of what we're called to be what else we got oh another cool thing is just seeing young people because this is a very young church finding their spouse getting married finding their thing and we don't, I don't believe everybody's supposed to be a pastor or a missionary. I think ministries that teach that set up a lot of people for disappointment. 
Uh, but people are finding their things. Some are going into full-time ministry. Some are going to seminary. Some are becoming business people. Some are becoming teachers. Some are be- doing all kinds of stuff. But they're be- they're like uh, becoming disciples, and they're launching into a fruitful Christian life, which is also really fun. We've got tons of good marriages. And uh, now people are starting to have kids. I mean, this just sounds like, isn't this what church is supposed to be? Yes, it is. But I'm just so dissatisfied. Because it's not what God called us to be. Uh, and I'll get there in a minute. Uh, so what's bad right now? What's the bad? So we said the good, the bad. What's not going so great in the church? Well, um, oh, what did I do here? I messed up my whole PowerPoint. Okay, so I'm going to have to just like put this all up there. Okay. Uh, so personal prayer and the word stuff. Like people's personal spiritual walk. A lot of people have been saying, getting sloppy. Uh, Do I dare say anybody bold enough to put up their hand and say that you're talking about me? Okay. Now anybody want to put up your hand and say you're lying? Are you too proud to say so? No, I'm just kidding. No. So that's a bunch of people, including me. I mean, mine's just not, it's not as tight. We have a five o'clock wake up group. And uh, one day it was all six, seven, eight. Oops. You know, where there were times it was like, bam, like a soldier. We all, we, we have CD groups where we're supposed to like, have you been in the word? Have you been in prayer? Have you been obeying the Lord, et cetera, et cetera. Mine meets and goes through all the proper questions and answers like the CD. Core discipleship group is what they are. But um, in recent weeks, high functioning We've not been functioning at our highest level. So kind of just the personal, if we were athletes, have we been showing up to the gym? Have we really been training like champions? And again, this isn't to earn our salvation or anything. It's to be what we're supposed to be for the Lord. It's not the have to, it's the want. I want to be in a community that's pushing and really trying to get everything you can on this side of heaven that you can have. Uh, but there's been a lot of people saying, ah, I'm not really, that's not me right now. Um, another big problem that we've been experiencing in the church is that uh, the broken folks who have been coming in because we want broken folks, like serious, hardcore broken, um, we've been seeing a lot of failure, just flat failure. We've we've had people that have washed out of the houses um, and we have we've got some folks that we've invited in that are struggling and they're really struggling. And one thing that our church I think is known for God does things in broken people's lives in this church that you just don't find elsewhere. That's a problem. It's like, there's something good. There was, there is something going on in this church where (laughs) a person that the rest of the world has no answer for And yet there's something going on in this funky little group of people that have houses and do things really weird, whatever, that when you throw a shattered person in the mix there, um, miracles happen. That's just a fact. That's not, and there's other places you can do it, but they're not, it's not every church on the block. It's a, it's a rare thing that where God works in a church and really fixes broken lives to the extent that those of you who have been online and gone on the website, um, that's why. Our friend Lars started coming from Kansas City, like, what in the world are you doing up there? And he started filming you guys, you know, your testimonies. 
because he's like, this is not normal. I've grown up in church. I've been in big churches. I've been in ministries. Broken lives are restored here. Um, we're not having, we're having some problems in that department. Um, and the third one is the intensive discipleship structures are struggling. So again, this church, what is this church supposed to be if it's not supposed to be a Sunday church with a bang up prayer meeting and, uh, you know, people getting their lives together and, you know, being blessed and community and good leadership. We were always supposed to be an intensive discipleship community. That's what, that's what we are. That's what we do. That's why we exist. We were never, we never said, Hey, let's have a great meeting on Sunday morning. And then let's spin off a bunch of ministries from there. Uh, God collected a bunch of young people that were super hungry to grow and learn and, and uh, kind of drink out of a fire hose, learn the ways of God. And then a church kind of spilled out from that. So uh, problems, the intensive learning, it just ain't going so well right now. The origin of this church was a, a room full of hungry young 20-somethings, no curriculum, no requirements, no fees paid, whatever. They just wanted to learn about God. And they would come for two hours on a Saturday morning beginning at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning, a lot of them college students, just to drink out of a fire hose. And uh, that, uh, that, that excitement and the zeal and the fire and the hunger and the everything, it somehow is not happening right now. CD groups. Those were formed so that these super hungry young people that are seeking the Lord with all their heart could stay on track. We borrowed this from the early Methodists, which have almost nothing in common with when you think of Methodists today. Uh, go back and read John Wesley's journal and read about the Great Awakening when the Holy Spirit was bringing people into the kingdom. Religious organizations tend to uh, run out of steam and just keep their form and and then if you go back and you look like the YMCA, that used to be for uh, preaching the gospel, propagating the gospel around the world, using primarily young men. So now you've got a bunch of homosexuals singing YMCA because that's where you go to hook up. It's things change, you know. So anyway, another sermon altogether. But we borrowed this CD group thing from the early Methodists. That was a move of God in the 17 and 1800s. One of the best things that ever hit planet Earth, young, fired-up disciples would get together and they would just take a little time and they'd ask each other probing questions to make sure you're staying on track with your walk with Jesus. And so we implemented that, and most of the people in the church got to these CD groups, and they were uh, supposed to be spiritual maintenance. Are you in the Word? Are you in prayer? Are you walking in holiness? Are you reaching out to anybody? What is God saying to you? And are you moving on it, et cetera? And then the last question is, what don't you want me to know about from this week, right? I mean, it's pretty intense, but I love going because they're helping me be the man I want to be. So we have those. Those are kind of getting, you know, some of them are, I just want some friends. I want to hang out with some friends. Everybody needs friends. And I, well, that's not what this is for. Go join a bowling league. This is for spiritual maintenance, you know? go join the knitting club or whatever, or just call a bunch of friends from church and 
whatever, whether they used to play bunko or do whatever the heck you want, just have friends. But this is spiritual maintenance. Well, those are kind of falling apart. Um, either people are doing it right and people are low functioning or people are just showing up for some other reason because we had some very definite goals that we we're trying to. So that's a problem. And then the houses, we have five houses. And uh, man, we're having some trouble. Originally, what the houses were was these super fired up young people that just wanted to learn. Said, you know what? It might work a little better if we we're all just living in the same place. And then we could hold each other to all these standards and goals and stand prayer, walking in holiness. Uh, and, and then we could be, you know, be, be learning all the things that we need to learn in a context. So always easier to do it with people around you. Um, and that's just, everything's been like, what in the world is going on? Because that's just not happening. What we used to have in the house was, I get to. It's an honor to be here. And now it's like, why do I have to? It's like, that's not, what's go, what is happening? What is going on here, man? What is, so it's, it's this funny little mix of wonderful church, wonderful people, no huge problems. But the problem is um, God called us from our very origin to be a place of intensive discipleship where young people who, and again, older people, you're more than welcome to be a part of this. I just found that once people get over 30, man, it it's hard to be fired up and all in for Jesus. It's just a fact. You know, you got your mortgage and your investments and your excuses and your plans and your grandkids and your whatever, which, you know, we have grandkids and we have a house and whatever. I'm just saying it's harder when you're when you when you're over 30 and this. But you'll have your Tim and Melissa's who will drop everything and move from Colorado. And I mean, anytime anybody complains about, you know, what what a disciple needs to do, I pull out my Tim Trump card. Boom. He's got a whole house full of kids. I mean, he's got he's not a spring chicken. He's but he's he's doing all the stuff. A lot younger than me, but not a spring chicken. Um, but this place was created for people that are hungry. Hungry, 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 hungry. Not, hey, I like it here because people are really nice. Yeah, that's true. Because hungry people following Jesus tend to be very nice and kind and generous and good and forgiving and loving, etc. But we're not here to be nice. We're not here to be generous and kind, and we'll tend to do a lot of fun things together and have a lot of exciting adventures and parties and whatever, but that's not why we're here. We're here because God called us to be a place where hungry people could come together to press in to the Lord and um, see what I did here. What I think happened was, in the midst of all the overspill stuff, and, and I'm kind of I'm like the lead pastor, obviously, and uh, you don't pass the buck. So I have got my focus off of what we are and what we do, and we have, I think, stopped focusing, me included, stopped focusing 
on this is about the hungry, taking them deeper and further and and taking all that zeal and that energy, energy and passion and directing it in in uh, ways that are going to be the most, they're going to get the most bang for their buck, right? If they want to learn about prayer, they're not going to have to sort through the 835,000 bad books on prayer out there and say, hey, do you know Andrew Murray? You read the one by Ari Tori? Yeah, right before God sparked the Great Global Awakening, uh, which almost nobody knows anymore. Uh, what's revival? Don't read any of the modern books about revival. Go back and read about when people were taking over countries. So it's like you're taking, you're helping people, young people that God has stirred up hunger in their heart, and and you're helping them to move in the directions where they're going to be um, productive and fruitful, etc. And you're helping to root them and ground them in the Word of God first and foremost. Teach them how to walk with Jesus. Teach them the character of God. Every, but this is just a place where. That's why we're here. And so somehow we've gotten the focus off of the hungry and because weak and broken people started coming in. We're like, oh man, what about the houses? And what about the base level stuff they need to know? And what about, you know, all the counseling that those folks will need? And what about the weak people? And, and we, you know, we want to be loving and compassionate and kind and keep walking with them. And, and so it just seems like the fuel that we used to be like keeping on the hearts of those who had that fire in their heart. It's almost like we're running around doing a lot of other things. And I just feel like God is then hey, wake up and remember that the reason this whole thing got started and what this thing is for is for mostly younger people who just want to go for it. And they're already here. And I'm not going to look at anybody, but I think there's other people who are here that aren't and don't understand. And there's people that come on Sunday. They don't even know what we are, or why we started. They just want to come to church because it's it's a cool bunch of people. It's a great bunch of people. But um, I think, and I was just going to put this out there, like, this is what I think happened. We just got our eyes off focusing on being a place where the hungry are fueled and fired and fed, etc. Um, yeah, so I already did all that. So the intensive learning things were supposed to be for, hey, man, I don't know the Bible. All right, we'll come on Saturday morning um, and we'll do the Bible trek. And you're going to learn this little series of 50 hand signs and you will forever know the Old Testament narrative. And then you can use that as kind of a bunch of hooks and you can hang all the rest of the information you learn the rest of your life on from the Bible trek. It's the best tool on the planet. Um, But it was just... I actually, it's walked through the Bible. It's the biggest um, Bible conference worldwide for teaching of the Old Testament on planet Earth. And you can do it cross-culturally, whatever. So those of you who want to do missions, those of you who want to work with kids, but also just for you who want to know the narrative. Where do people fit? What are the you know events? So it's like, okay, young people, you don't know the Bible? Show up to Bible Trek. In 12 weeks, you'll come out the other side. You'll be able to walk anybody on Earth from creation through Christ. So number one to number 50. Uh, and in between, you'll learn about all the major fig- figures, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, etc. Um, Nehemiah, the, the deportations, all this crazy stuff that, you know, you can't get. So people are like, yeah, I'm fired up. And at the foundation of everything's the Bible, I'm going to be there. So but that Passion isn't doesn't seem to be what's causing. Well, is that the requirement to be in the house? All right, I'll show up on Saturday. 
like what the heck what happened that's not what we're doing and then people you know i even like going through it i like going through it every couple of years just because i get fuzzy and then i think people are like i've oh, been there done that don't need that it's like okay well, then walk me through it if you can't walk me through it go back and do a review because it's the foundation so it's somehow we've gotten all off track and then the cd groups they're supposed to be, and I know this sounds extreme, and I know we've been talking about legalism. It's not legalism. It's not. I if you, it's the I get to. It's an honor. It's an honor to serve the Lord. It's an honor to love the Lord. It's an honor to be used by the Lord. It's a privilege. It's uh, the only thing worth talking about in life. And once God gets you into situations where you actually get to be a part of people's redemption story and the miraculous you know, just seeing the glory manifested in our life and you were the one that got inserted right in the middle of it. I mean, winning the lottery, the Super Bowl, seriously, there's no greater joy than being so, but you've got to put in your time and you've got to learn how it works and how to cooperate with the Lord, et cetera, et cetera. It's a privilege. So you, we, we would go to these intensive learning things because people wanted to be tooled up and learn how it works. And then we'd have these CD groups because the people that are, uh, Learning all this stuff, you also have to have your life. You have to be held accountable. So we were doing that. And then the houses are just places where these super hungry, fired up people were kind of grouped together so that they could do it. And what we found is, hey, throw someone from the street into that little group. Throw someone out of prison or off of drugs in the midst of those bunch of fired up disciples. And that's where we we're having all our success. But now what it is, we got like, the majority of the houses sometimes now we've got people that are brand new or really broken or it's just the 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 percentages are all off etc and i think it's just really because i've kind of got muddled in what this is all about i hope this isn't i hope you guys are tracking with me and this is making sense and this is helpful <clears throat> so uh what we're talking about is hunger that's really what we're talking about so the good is a good church. The bad, the things that uh, used to be the heartbeat of it aren't really snap, crackling, popping right now. Um, those of you older people thinking of Rice Krispies. But um, it just it's kind of lost the that zip and uh, whatever. And I think it's because we've lost focus on spiritual hunger. That's it. Spiritual hunger drives discipleship. Spiritual hunger is the fuel of discipleship. Jesus Christ himself could not successfully disciple a not hungry person. So this is what I think. This is, I'll have to check with Jesus when I get to heaven, but I'm pretty sure that when he was looking for the original 12, he wasn't like, you know what? Peter has the best manners, so I'm going for Peter. You know, or the sons of thunder. They're the most emotionally stable. So I'm going to choose them. And, you know, Judas is, you know, whatever. Uh, not not Iscariot. He's, a, you know, but, but there was there was a, there was a zealot. Almost like a terrorist. Seriously, it was it was <laughs> there was a zealot, man. They were political zealots who would use violence to try to reach their political ends. Um, and they probably weren't the smartest. Now, when he later scored Paul, I think he did. He got the smartest. But the original 12, he wasn't even, what was he looking for? What was Jesus looking for? 
They weren't, you know how we know they weren't the smartest? Because they were on a fishing boat. If they'd been the smartest, they'd been with Paul studying under Gamaliel. Not a, they were on fishing boats. So when they were young boys going to Torah school, you know, Paul, you just want a scholarship to study with the greatest, you know, rabbi on the planet. And Peter's like, oh, 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 do I get to go? No, you probably want to go apprentice with your dad on the fishing boat. That's what you would do when you were a kid and you weren't the brightest, sharpest tack in the box. Why did he choose them? I think it was hunger. And so I was, I was just thinking about the uh, um, passage of the call. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men immediately. I'll just punt my career. I'll just punt what my mom and dad think of me. Immediately. They left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, I saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending the nets. He called to them immediately. And the Bible says, like Elijah, he had a nature just like ours. These aren't these aren't people cut from super holy spiritual cloth who float, you know, hold a you know, shiny plate behind their head and hold up three fingers when they float around. They're just like us. They sweat, they stink, they, they swear when they hit their finger with a hammer. They're exactly like us. But when Jesus called, they dropped it all. And they just went for it. And then in Matthew 9, you know, here's a guy who <laughs> maybe didn't even want to go to, he, he was smart enough, you know, because he's a tax collector and he's you know, basically an accountant and he's got political connections and he's in with the Romans. He's smart enough. He probably didn't even give a rip about religion as a younger kid. And then later in life, it's like, man, that would be awfully cool. This is not very satisfying. That Jesus guy seems to have the stuff. Why did he call Matthew? The dude's in... He's a turncoat. He's a he's a reprobate. Tax collectors were such scum they wouldn't even put him in the class with sinners. But the tax collectors and sinners, you know, yeah, we got the prostitutes and the murders and whatever. And you got the tax collectors. Blech. These guys are the worst. Why did Jesus call him? He said, "Follow me. I'm out of here." I think it was just hunger. We're commanded to be hungry. So, so I don't want you to read all those scriptures. Then you won't listen to me. So I'm going to go back here. I want you to read that one either. So I'm going to go back to the previous one. And then I'll go back to the previous one. There we go. You're commanded to be hungry. You can't be hungry. You just kind of sit around and you hope for that magic zap from the Holy Ghost. No, you're commanded to be hungry. You're commanded to be zealous. So let's look at a few of those. I don't want to get up in the morning. The Bible's boring. Put aside all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. 
part of the reason that we're not real hungry is because we haven't put aside all the junk that's getting in the way of the hunger. The bitterness, just not going to forgive. Yes, you are. Do it. Are you never going to be hungry? You know, I, I can't get over the materialism. Yes, you can. Just knock it off. Just talk to someone about it. Start praying about it. Start moving in that direction. I can never get out of this debt. Yes, you can. Just tell God you're sorry and you'll do whatever it takes to get out of it and just start plowing and moving. And But one of the reasons we can't, we don't feel the hunger is because we're so bogged down with everything else. But he put it all aside. And then like a newborn baby, long, yearn, earnestly desire, pure spiritual milk. That's a command. Desire it. And it says of the word, because in the context, he's talking about the word, the word of God. That by it you may grow in respect. So these are just commands to have that want to. And Paul tells Timothy, rekindle that gift of God. Theologians argue about what that is. But whatever it is, it has to do with his spirit. And he says, stoke that fire back up, man. Interesting, you think about Ephesus. That's where Paul was. You've got the book of Ephesus, then you've got the letters to, to Timothy, and then you've got the book of Revelation. In a very short period of time, it goes from things are pretty good to Timothy, you better stay on track to I'm shutting the place down. Go to, go to the, the, the letter to the book of uh, uh, Ephesus and Revelation. But he's telling Timothy, keep it stirred up, stay fired up, stay hungry, stay focused. And then Romans 12, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor or hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So again, I think our hunger also has to do with us doing maintenance. Is junk getting in the way? By the way, Joel, where's Joel? Did you come up with that by yourself? That's crazy. That was really a pretty amazing little devotional you did there. And I was like, yeah, he's got it going on if he came in. I thought maybe you stole it from Oswald Chambers or something. But I was like, nope. Wow, that was good stuff. Are you letting a good gift turn into a, did it turn into an idol? Used to be all fired up for Jesus till you got married? Till you got your job? Now that's your thing? Repent. It's a golden calf. That's where your spiritual fervor went. Repent. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind indulgence. Fervent. Be fervent. Hunger. Fire. Passion. The Bible commands it. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation, etc., etc. This is also another place where we're told to be zealous. The angel of the church of Laodicea, right? The amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. But because you're lukewarm, but we're commanded. Okay, well, let me clarify something here. I don't think Jesus is saying be a reprobate or be an on-fire Christian. Um, I think the better interpretation is there are cold springs, which are valuable. There are hot springs, which had medicinal properties. Both are valuable, but lukewarm, bleh, that, that was the point. So it's not be a reprobate, 
you know, follow the devil with all your heart or follow God with all your heart. No, God's never going to tell you to follow the devil with all your heart. But that's an interpretation. Unless, of course, Jesus is using sarcasm, which he does quite often. So that's also a possibility. But I, I like the interpretation. Um, but uh, you say, I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I don't need anything. But from God's perspective, he says, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Buy from me gold refined with fire so you become rich. Garments so you may clothe yourself. Uh, then shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. I self anoint your eyes that you may see. Those I love, I reprove. So he's talking to Christians here. This is this is a, a this is a passage to Christians. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It just means the fire's gone. A lot of times it's because the stuff kills the fire. So what did he say? Be zealous and repent. Turn it around. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. We use this for evangelism a lot. He's talking to Christians. God said, I want to have fellowship with you that will blow your minds. And I'm knocking, but you have to respond. You have to respond by getting the stuff out of the way that's getting in the way of that spiritual passion. Um, so, I just wanted to, <laughs> you always have to take your ponderings to scripture. And uh, so I was talking about hunger and something's like, you know, it's great. There's a lot of hungry people here. I'm just not hungry. So I guess I'll go to the not hungry church. Uh, that's not an option. Now you can be hungry and go to another church. That's fine. But this church was created for the hungry. And this is how we have to gear everything in this church is towards the hungry. And yes, we're going to take care of the not so hungry. We're going to take care of the lost. We're going to take care of the broken. And we're going to take care of our kids that aren't going to be wild-eyed zealots probably at eight years old. And we're going to have all kinds of peripheral ministries. And, you know, but the heart of everything has to be hunger. I got to say it again. My voice doesn't crack. Hunger. And you're commanded to be hungry. And if you're hungry... And we have places where you can learn and we have all nights of prayer and we have outreaches and we have CD groups and we have houses. If we have hungry followers of Jesus, I just don't think we'll be hearing, do we have to? Because it's an honor. I want to be, and the funny thing is, I read about like the Moravians or what was going on during the, the those conferences in the late 1800s where Christians would come by the thousands just to gather to consecrate themselves, seek a new infilling of the Holy Spirit for holiness and then for power and then to fire each other up to go to the ends of the earth and bring the gospel. Man. I just I read about I read about the Moravian community in the 1700s that basically sparked. I mean, we call it, uh, I don't even want to use the term evangelical anymore because that's another term that's gone sour. But the whole Bible believing born again movement, the Moravians really sparked the whole thing. They they had a hundred year prayer meeting, twenty four seven. First missions thrust. Three hundred people in the original community. 26 years old was the average age. The first 30 missionaries they set up, most of them died. 
They called it the great dying. They didn't care. Ty, on uh, Saturday, Ty was saying, you guys need to listen to 10 shekels and a shirt. <clears throat> One of the coolest sermons you'll ever listen to. I know it sounds really weird. 10 shekels, as in money, and a shirt, as in yes. Uh, listen to the sermon, you'll understand why it's called that. But he ends by talking about the Moravians. And uh, the Moravians actually, the first place they went as missionaries was the Sugar Islands where the Europeans were taking the African slaves and just slaughtering them through hard work. They said a strong man lasts about seven years, but don't worry, we can just go to Africa and round up some more and keep pumping out that sugar and we're all going to get rich in France and Britain and America. We're all going to get rich of the black, the black slaves from Africa and uh, we're just going to grind them into the ground and Moravian said, that's the first place we'll go. Rich, privileged Europeans, education, money. They lived in this little community. Where on planet Earth do you want to go to bring the, the light of Christ into the dark? Where we'll go. That's hunger. I don't want a good church. Don't misquote me on that. I don't just want a good church. And I <laughs> I don't want to chase anybody. Even if you don't understand what I'm saying, you say, that guy's crazy, but I like it here. You're welcome to be here. But if you don't want, I want to, on a scale of one to 10, you know, maybe we're a solid two or three. I don't know. I would much rather get up to seven, eight, nine. I'd, I'd much rather have a place that makes sense. The Moravians or the Apostle Paul. That doesn't make much sense. 21st century Bible-believing, born-again Christians. I want a place that's hungry. And people are here because it's an honor to be here. And uh, we don't have more important things to do. Now, of course, we have weddings and funerals, and there's exceptions, and we have lives, and, and nobody's going to stay here forever. We're not some little holy huddle that says if you leave here, you're not. No, it's just a place for, for a season of your life. You're going to be around a bunch of other people that are going to be going for it and hopefully light you up in a way that will carry you through the rest of your life and use you to light all the people on fire that come around you for the rest of your life. That's what this church is supposed to be. And I just think we lost our focus a little bit. If you uh, if that doesn't resonate with you, then uh, we love you and you can show up here, but we're not building our church for you or your preferences. And if you think we're too extreme, I I hope you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, we do, you know, extended prayer five hours once a month. You know, I, I'd love to see that improve. You know, we see people come to Christ and we do evangelism. One day a week, we have a focused evangelistic thing where a handful of people come. I'd like to see that pounding on doors in the poorest neighborhoods in town. I'd, I'd like to see all kinds of things happening. 
but hunger's at the hunger's at the heart of it all. So what do we do here? What should we do? Any ideas? So honestly, first of all, everybody, let's assess yourself. Are you hungry? Has something God given you as a blessing? A spouse? Babies? That killer job? Your house? Your new car? Friendships? Whatever. Money in the bank? Promotion? Somehow the fire's gone, but you're all excited about this. Let's probably become an idol. Put it on the altar. Say, God, you know, you can you can take that away if it's going to get in the way. Now, of course, if it's a spouse or kids, you're like, I'd really appreciate it if you just like adjust things a little bit. My attitude here. But if it's a job, God, I'll punt this thing. If it's an investment, I'll give it away. I'll, I. But I will not lose my passion for Jesus. Forget it. If we have a, if we have a, <laughs> if we have a, whatever you want to call us, full of those kind of people, I think all our problems will be solved, and the broken will be healed, and the, you know, everything will be lit up, and the zeal and the passion for the teaching situations and the CD groups and all. I just think that will be very pretty close to a one size fits all solution to the malaise we are experiencing in the church at present. And I know we already have those people. And so I think it also is about focus so that we can gear our church more in a direction that helps those individuals. Cause we do, we got fired up people here. And I think they're dissatisfied because they're like, I'm not being stirred up, stimulated, directed, like I would like to be. So again, assess yourself. Are you hungry? Have you ever been any changes needed? I think it was to Ephesus. You said, remember from where you've fallen, if you have been in the past and you're not now. So take some time. Are you hungry? And then also pray. pray just take us. I, I, I want to just continue kind of this theme of prayer. We kind of took off a couple of weeks ago for seminars. Let's just pray and seek the Lord. Just as a church, let's just have, let's just keep going on this theme of prayer. Uh, now, I don't like calling for official fast because then you make people fast. I didn't really want to fast. So I'm not going to call for an official fast. But how much does this mean to you? Fasting is a way to be hungry about something besides food. That's what fasting is. If this is important to you, if this church is important to you, if what, if what we do here is important to you, if the people here are important to you, the broken people are important to you, how important are they to you? Are you willing to put aside food for a day? And cry out to God. I just think I all I think fasting is it's just it just shows it's just an expression of desperation. So uh I would I'd really encourage you to maybe set aside a day, even a partial fast. Some maybe it's new to some of you people, and I'm not trying to freak you out, but I'll tell you what, I've seen some stuff when you fast. Oof. You know, some big guns when you do it right. If you do it wrong, nothing's gonna happen, you're just gonna be hungry dream about being in pancake land but it's but if you do it right things shift i've, I've dreamt such things um because i used to do it for legalistic reasons you do it right god i want this so bad nothing else matters to me man i could 
I'll preach you a sermon sometime about the crazy breakthroughs I've seen when I've shown desperation through fasting. But anyway, so that's my application. Let's assess ourselves. God, have I got off track? Has some blessing you've given me? Has it become an idol? Is my heart wholly yours? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. All. Is there some idol getting in the way of that? And then let's just keep on this theme. God, help our church get on track because it's fun. It's wonderful. It's nice. It's a blessed place to be. We're by no means floundering on a precipice of disaster or anything like that. It's all good. I don't want good. I want hungry. I want hungry. I want to be hungry. I want to be around hungry people. So I think that's uh, good enough for now. Uh, so let's just pray together. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you for people in history, man, like the Moravians, and C.T. Studd, and Amy Carmichael. Man, put me to shame uh, in a good way. I want to be like them. D.L. Moody, the world is yet to see what God will do with the man who is completely his. I want to be like him. And I know there's people in this room that have that same burning passion in their heart. Let us become a place custom made for the hungry. Where that spark in their heart can be fueled and fired and stirred up in a healthy, balanced way. Because also our hunger can make us go bonkers. But just a healthy, balanced way. And we could do this in community centered on your word. And just continue to see uh, the wonderful things, Lord, that we get to see pretty regularly here. We love you. We thank you. Your word says who you love. You discipline. Discipline us, Lord, as gently as possible. Get us on track. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, yeah, so that's a wrap for the official service. And now I have to give instructions. Uh, for those of you who are new or who want to just stick around or if you need to have a conversation with somebody we have a meal going out uh, outside and what i would encourage you to do is pick up the chair you're sitting in and walk outside with it and if you're sitting with next to somebody who's got crutches or something and you're you know and you're capable pick up their chair too um, or better yet, don't pick up these chairs in the first like four rows. Pick up a chair on your way out. That way you don't have three guys having to load 50 chairs. Um, and it, and we don't have the prayer meeting interrupted by. So um, if you want to go outside and have a meal, grab a chair, go outside. Uh, if you want to pray, which I hope some people want to pray about God. Light the fire again in my heart, you know, or God, bring this church back to the place it was. There it goes. Um, so, um, yeah, there you go. Pick it up. Uh, but but what we what we usually do after church is we just have the first, you know, few rows of people that just want to receive prayer or pray. Uh, and it, it's just been a really sweet time together. If you have kids, run, go get them. 
And I think that's about all that needs to be said. So we'll take a few minutes and let people get their chairs and get outside. Or if you're in the back and you want to pray a little bit, uh, come forward. But thanks for coming.